Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Go on over there, use code DNVR to sign up for a new account to get a bunch of amazing deals. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Haithley. On the Avs don't play for a couple of days, but a bit of a positive note, finally, for the Avs when it comes to their roster, as the expectations are they have a handful of healthy players coming into this outdoor game coming up, specifically being Gabe Landeskog and Tyson Jost now off the COVID list, and then Kale McCarr expected to be 100% for the outdoor game. The Kale McCarr impact is pretty straightforward. He drops into the lineup, most likely either Gilbert or McDonald gets benched. Pretty f- Pretty confident it's going to be Gilbert at this point. Given the two games he's played, it's probably a safe assumption that it's Gilbert. Yeah. Um, so that one, easy. Defense, you, you go pretty straightforward there. We can get into the Sam Gerrard conversation later, but he won't be back in time for the outdoor game. So in the immediate, that's it. The uh, earliest he can skate is Sunday. Yeah, correct. So. Gerard, so will not have any opportunity to get into the outdoor game regardless. Um, the offensive side is is a much different conversation because not only do you have Gabe Landeskog and Tyson Jost, which will mix things up, there's also the outside possibility of Matt Calvert being around. There was some thought that he could have played, but it didn't skate, didn't practice or anything. So not really sure what's going on there exactly, but for the record, the abs had the day off today. Right. So they'll practice tomorrow. Yeah, uh, they're at Ball Arena tomorrow morning. And then they go out to, to Tahoe. But technically it, they fly into Reno. Okay, sure. And then drive to Tahoe. Whatever. Then, yeah. <laughs> that, does Tahoe even have, have an airport? I I've never been. I don't know. I've never been. Yeah, okay. We're neither, not, neither one of us make enough money to come within 100 miles of Lake Tahoe. Very true. <laughs> very, very true. Uh, so the expanding impact on the roster, we'll start with just Landy and Jost because we know they're off the COVID list. We know if they are at all ready to play, they will be in the lineup for the Avs. Uh, the obvious one is back to three-headed monster, I would assume. Uh, Why would you not? I mean, you had you had a second line with Saad and um, Kadri and Burakovsky that was starting to click before everything shut down. And then, obviously, the three-headed monster is the three-headed monster. So, I feel like that's how the top six was designed when they went out and they acquired the players. And that's how, it's, that's how it should stay. Yep. It... <sighs> There's there's a part of me that thinks there might be a case to keep Sod with the top line, but they weren't even willing to do that in the game the other night. So can't expect I don't, to. I don't need to be. I don't think they need to get cute with it at all, man. Honestly, I just just let it be. We've seen the three headed monster just works for yep. whatever reason. Those guys are just on a different level. All of the reasons that people try and come up with to split them up. Oh, you do this. Oh, you do that. Whatever it just leave them. They're they're one of they're one of the five best lines in the entire NHL when they're put together. Just quit messing with it. Just let it be at this point. They're so good. And then your second line had started to really click 
before that and uh, before the shutdown. Last night, they just won you a game. So, I, you know, you're, now your top six is back intact. You're, you know, outside of, outside of Sam Gerard, you're basically the scariest version of yourself. I'm not going to argue with you on the top line. And I'm honestly, I'm not even going to argue with you on the top six in general. But to play devil's advocate a little bit on that second line, we saw Burakovsky struggle the other night. We saw Jonas Donskoy come under that second line and, and play a key factor, feeding into Saad's goal and getting the assist on Kadri's game winner as well. Is there a consideration there to drop Burakovsky down? I mean, I think if you wanted to do it for a game, you know, we've seen it happen in games before where they send, you know, Bednar sends that message to Burakovsky. You can't be a passenger. Yeah, we need you. We need you driving the bus. You're too good. We need you to be. A, we need you to be activating and not just casually working your way through the game. And it regularly has worked to drop him down there for a game or even a couple of shifts, just to kind of jumpstart him a little bit to get his head refocused. It's worked for. It's worked for Berkey. So if they wanted to do that. Um, Donskoy is healthy and he's playing as well as he was since the start of last year. That would also be fine. Uh, knowing that, uh, I, I would say that knowing that the idea is to kickstart Burakovsky and eventually swap him and Donskoy, go for it. All right. I can live with that for sure. Uh, as as uh, vaguely sober indicates here a little bit. A little bit of, of line blending is always to be expected when it comes to Jared Bednar. Now, we all have seen him love to put Nathan McKinnon out there with the fourth line, or honestly anyone in an offensive situation, potentially. Is that still something you can expect to the extreme amount that it's been done recently? Given you're getting a Tyson Jost back, given the depth just all the way down the lineup, you add a Landis and everyone gets moved down the depth chart. Well, and and I think Jost is um, that's an important addition back into your lineup because sure. your bottom six right now is just sort of this hodgepodge of guys. Yeah, where you're you're just trying to like Logan O'Connor's on your third line last night and smash his face first into that ceiling. Yep. So your number one, your number one goal with that bottom six should be remove Shelton tracks, get an NHL caliber player there. Um, That's where, you know, Belmar, Jost, Comfer, you've got three guys that you view as guys who can play center for you in your bottom six. You got to figure it out. Um, the reality with JT Comfer is he's been bad. Like he had a good, I really liked his game on Sunday, but that's not nearly enough for the other like 10 games. The guy's been bad. Um, so I think I, I maybe, maybe we have the conversation where you want to put Tyson Jost as the 3C there with Nachushkin on the left and Comfer as the right wing. And then, yeah. Your fourth line, you know, your fourth line, you've got, you still have Belmar down there. You want Logan O'Connor playing. He's absolutely deserved to, to to stay in your lineup, but he needs a more appropriate role. Playing on that third line, you know, 
the point that Evan made last night is the ultimate point about Logan O'Connor. When your game is built around going a thousand miles an hour, you can't play 13 minutes. Yep. And so I think getting him in a more, you know, eight to 11 minute for traditional fourth line role, depending on how much PK time he gets that night. Um, that's, that's where that, that's where he should be next to Belmar. And then you're just talking about which, which is the 12th guy. Sure. You know, who's the left wing on that one. Um, you could always just, what, what I'm afraid they'll do is that they'll just drop Jost back into the left side next to Belmar and have that be. And keep running an ineffective third line in front of them. Yeah, and have it be Nachushkin, Comfer, O'Connor, and then Jost, Belmar. Whoever. Met probably Megna. Yeah. Sherwood is still on sure. protocol or on IR or something. To, it's unclear, but. Exactly. Trying to exactly figure out what's going on with Sherwood here. Uh, has been has been like the ultimate puzzle. It's almost count in. Yeah, and that we're just not entirely because the team was like he's on. Initially, they said he was on COVID protocol, right? And he never appeared on the official league list. Yep. And so it's like, okay, what's going on? Are you guys lying about this? Like, what's going on with Kiefer Sherwood? Um, but if he's if he's healthy, then I think that he he just slots right in ahead of Jason Magnum. Easy peasy, you're done. Yep. Pretty pretty straightforward there as, as the 12th guy in that scenario. Um, the reality of the situation is right now, Kout is injured, apparently. So yeah. he's not going to, like, you can say what you want to happen, but if he's injured, he's not going to play regardless. Yeah. Um, and then Bowers is with the Eagles, so... At this point, I think he's been with the Eagles long enough that he'd have to go through the seven-day waiting period on the taxi squad to to get back on the Az roster. So that's not going to happen either. Yeah. As much as I want those things to happen, as much as you want those things to happen, it's not going to happen for this Tahoe game at the very least. Um, continuing through their, their forward lineup, though, it's... The the effects move into special teams as well. Obviously, we talked about Landeskog coming back for the power play. Um, the important role that he has there, you can make the argument he's more important than Kale McCarr even for that side of things. But getting Tyson Jost back for the penalty kill is, is kind of a big deal as well. Yeah, it'll help. Um, it, that's not a unit that needs a ton of help. That's a unit that's top of the league and has been rocking and rolling. Um, but he's been a big part of their success, so sweet. Yep. In in making my lineup, I also forgot Donskoy and Burakov or Burakovsky. So you gotta throw one of those guys in there somewhere. Yeah, that third line you end up with if they do nothing, it'd be Donskoy Comfort Nachushkin. Yeah. And then Joe Spelmar and O'Connor. Yeah. Can make that work if you'd like. Boy, how how different do you feel about your fourth line if it's Jost, Belmar, O'Connor, than you did two ni- last night when it was Drys, Drys, Belmar, and Magna? Yeah. Like just how different do you feel? What a those, world of difference, right there. Yeah, it's just huge. It's let's let's be honest about the Avs' bottom six in these two games against Vegas so far. 
you're just hoping they don't lose you the game. Yeah. You're just trying to get by with that bottom well, six. Especially against Vegas's fourth line, which they've invested heavily in. I mean, Ryan Reeves is getting paid pretty good money. Will Carrier got like a four-year deal and then drew two penalties last night. Yeah. Um, Will Carrier, for just for the record, one of my favorite fourth liners in the NHL. He's really, really good. I'd be um, a liner. Yeah, of course. Like, not not arguing that this guy needs a bump. Like, just doing what he does. Yeah, he's so effective at it for sure. And like, Will Carrier is is exactly the kind of guy that Logan O'Connor needs to model. Use your speed. Use your physicality. Play smart. Throw the body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Blah blah blah. Do all those smart things. Draw penalties. Be good on the PK. So. If Calvert, if Calvert works his way back into this, great. I don't know where he fits in. Somewhere. Yeah, this is I, where this is this is where you have you have the luxury where you say you maybe give Calvert an extra couple of games and just see what happens with Logan O'Connor. It's Calvert getting healthy gives the Avs a lot of interesting openings at that point. If you want to have the conversation about scratching a JT Confer, maybe you can have it with a healthy Calvert. You definitely are, are a lot more open to that possibility where you're like, look, this has been coming. It hasn't been getting better. This needs to this needs to happen. I mean, he's working his he's worked his way to that point. Yep. I have no issue with giving a guy 10 games and saying, This is a guy that's been important. He's been an important player for you the last couple of years. He's performed significantly better than we've seen from him this year. So you know there's a lot more there. It's just not happening right now. And that 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 10 game mark is up. We're beyond that point now. And it's like if he's if it's not gonna get it together, if he's if then you've got to start trying to find solutions. And with with JT Comfort, like we we kind of came into the year like, oh, the Avs weakness is there is a three C. You know, d- because Comfort's imperfect. Not right. Not expected to be a black hole. <laughs> right. Not JT Comfort's game has completely freaking cratered, <laughs> and he's performing well below the level of a, of a functional NHL player. Yep. Like the the third line center role is an important job on a team. You know, that's it's it's an important it's an important spot. You're one injury away from moving up into the top six. So you've got to have some offensive punch. But traditionally, you have to be pretty good defensively. You have to take face-offs. You have to win your fair share of them. And you've got to, you've got to do heavy lifting defensively. And it's why it's why the whole comfort thing has been a conversation the last couple of years. Because as we've seen, he might be a more effective wing than center. Yeah. I, I think this is definitely... A fair assessment, certainly at the NHL level of his career. And look, when you're talking about these situations, nothing is necessarily permanent. But yeah, at a certain point, if you scratch Confer for a game, maybe that's something that gets him going. Maybe that's the wake up call that he needs. Yeah, and you you're in a unique situation to where. Given the breakout of Logan O'Connor with a fully healthy lineup, the Avs are okay running their 13th forward on any given night. Mm-hmm. You don't really feel like you've made the lineup worse at all. Well, you're not, you're not like, 
you're not in the territory of like, oh my god, we're not even icing an NHL player here. Yeah, exactly. So, and you could honestly probably go 14 or 15 deep on that list if you wanted to, and not even, not even really getting into the because again, I really just don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, but not getting even into the the Cout Bauer stuff. You know, you can make your like. Jason Magna in these really short spurts in, in a two-game sample, He'll you're surviving. Try. Yeah. You know, not making mistakes, mature enough player to know that you can't be taking dumb penalties. If Kiefer Sherwood appears, he's he's fine. He's not gonna hurt you. Yeah, Kiefer and well, and to be honest, I mean Kiefer Sherwood and Logan O'Connor have both looked good yep. this year in really, really limited looks, but they both have looked good. Where you're you're comfortable. There's an argument that the best the Avs fourth line has looked this year was key for Sherwood, Logan O'Connor, and Tyson Jost. Definitely, I would definitely say that's true. So, I mean, their work against in that San Jose series, they were chewing the Sharks up. Now, understandably, it's not a very good Sharks team. <laughs> like, yeah. The guys that I like on that Sharks team that are dangerous are not the guys that are getting matched up against that line. For sure. Uh, so you're you're feeling you're feeling pretty good about that depth you know between between O'Connor or Sherwood as your 13th your theoretical 13th 14th forwards you have to be feeling pretty good about when you're healthy you know and and when you have a bottom six injury you're comfortable moving some of these guys in and out of the lineup where you don't feel like there's going to be a huge drop-off now if we get into the Cout and Bowers thing you know, if one of those guys gets in, they should be looking to stay in. For sure. Although I would also put LOC in that conversation of this is, yeah. we had kind of earmarked him as a guy that we thought he should be at least be under, he should be done in the AHL. There's we a should, 13th forward-esque type of guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and with the addition of a taxi squad, he should never play a game for the Eagles again. Yeah, um, definitely. I just think that he's beyond that in his career right now. So I'm I really I'm very comfortable with what they've got uh, with with their lineup constructed as is right now. I think it's I you know obviously when you get healthier you have tough decisions to make, but those are good choices. That's 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 a good problem. Yeah, it's... and if you need to give a confer off, you need to give a Val Nachushkin off. Like let's be real. Yeah, Val Nachushkin. Uh, I think Dario said it on Twitter that. This Val is Nichushkin. what we thought Nachushkin was. Yeah. Yeah. Val Nichushkin blew everybody away last year. Yep. And this the this year's version of Nachushkin is kind of a lot more of what we were expecting to see last season from him. And there are issues there. It's just that right now he's being overshadowed by an absolutely awful JT Comfer. And Nachushkin is still being successful at what he was successful at last year. He's still good defensively, and he's gotten PK time in which he has been very good on it. So you're you're feeling like the Nachushkin conversation it's 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 flawed, but you can live with it. You're getting by just fine. the The question now becomes with those Confer and Nachushkin situations is assuming the ass get properly healthy because. You never know. We could wake up tomorrow and three players get injured in practice the way things have gone for the Avs. 
what does it take to actually make the move? I see people in chat talking about it. Is a Jared Bednar actually going to be willing to bench a JT Comfer for a game? Or is he going to ride with what he knows, what he's used to in a lineup? Yeah, I mean, at some at some point, like the leash will be up from, from these guys. Yep. You know, we're not talking a Nathan McKinnon where you're like, even on a bad night, this guy on any given shift can do something for you. Like JT Confer's had a month to get it going, and I can count two games on from memory that I feel like he was a solid player. Yep. So that decision like, does have to be made at some point. And yeah, and I'm you know, I'm this is this is a thing that drives fans crazy about NHL coaches. But you know, think about it. Like think about it from your workplace perspective. Now I know it's not a one to one comparison, but you have a guy that has been good for you for a long time. He's been a good employee. He's put the work in. He's been effective for a long time, for the last, for the last you know multiple years now. He has a bad month of work. You know, are you gonna are you gonna bring him into the like? How much leash do you give that guy before you bring him in? And you say, all right, dude, you really, you just take a week, take a week, go home, get your head right, take a shower, buy some new ties. You know, whatever it is, like whatever, whatever your workplace is, right? Figure it out. Like get your head, get your head on straight and come back and be the guy that we've grown accustomed to over the last couple of years. It's really easy for us sitting on the sidelines to be like bench a guy, sit this guy, move him down the lineup, do this, do all these different things. But you have humans in, in this situation. You have personalities, you have there's certain levels of professional respect that you have to walk. And it's a, you know, obviously the NHL, it's a cutthroat business and it's a, what have you done for me lately? But track records mean something, especially success under a coach. Comfer is a guy who's only known Jared Bednar as his, as his head coach in the NHL. Yep. Like it's, it's a real conversation, but it's also one. That on the other side of that conversation, it's a little bit easier to tug that leash when the guy you have coming in is Matt Calvert, who yeah. on a track record, there's one right there. Right, and that's that's where you're feeling good about the depth. LOC has, LOC continues to prove he earns a spot. Calvert gets healthy, and you're like, okay, well, we have Tyson Jost back, who's been playing so well for us, but this dude, this dude needs a night off. We and we were finally healthy enough. It's kind of the Ryan Graves, Connor Timmons conversation we had on the podcast last night. Yep, it's the same. It's the same premise of we can't give this guy a night off right now, but if we can, if we can get healthy, we can do this. Yep. So it, it is, and to be clear, you're talking in. A, you're getting into a little bit of speculation here, right? Because we don't know what the future holds. We could find out tomorrow that Matt Calvert's concussion issues are still significant and he's not going to be back anytime soon. We just don't know. Even even if Calvert gets back into the lineup, it would be foolhardy to expect that he plays for the rest of the season, every game for the rest of the year. Yeah. You go game, every game that you have Matt Calvert is a bonus. For sure. So... It's something that they're going to be dealing with throughout the season either way. Uh, we do need to take our first period of break there as we are brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. When you head on over there, we're not quite to Mar March Madness yet, but 
It's coming soon. Never been a big college sports fan myself, but uh, I know the betting people, they're all over that. There's a lot of money to be made when it comes to betting on college sports. So DraftKings is you hooking you up if you're a new player with a chance to cash in $100. New customers can bet $1 in any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. One three-pointer in any game this week, and you turn $1 into $100 feel like that's just free money, right? Like they're just giving you a hundred dollars. So jump in on it, get yourself a hundred dollars for betting $1 for any team to hit a three pointer. It's a no brainer slam dunk offer. If basketball is not for you, they also have a bunch of daily odds boosts for hockey, soccer, and many other sports as well. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion since 2012 to its customers. So big paydays all over the place. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get your shot to turn $1 into 100 bucks. Again, the DNVR code lets them know we sent you, so please put that in. Supporting our partners is supporting us. Any basketball game, again. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by that DraftKings sportsbook. Have we have we rounded out the Avs roster talk, AJ? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on here? Um, No. I mean, I think we can save the Graves and Timmons thing for another day. Because the more I think about it, the more I find it an interesting conversation. I do think it's an interesting conversation, but they're both going to play in the immediate. Oh, yeah. Until we start talking about EJ getting healthy. Yeah. There's certainly going to be a, a tough to pull, pull one out of the lineup. But I also sneakily, I do wonder uh, if they try and keep Jacob McDonald in the lineup as a forward. <laughs> Pull some nonsense. Well, it's like, bah, if you keep having forward issues, you know, your defense mostly gets healthy. You like what he gives you. He's basically a forward anyway. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it's it's certainly I I wouldn't keep him in as a forward personally, but I will you know would you would you rather Jacob McDonald as a forward or would you rather Jason Magno? Yeah, you can have that conversation, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the lack of the lack of willingness to commit to a side there just tells you where the abs are yeah. in like their fifteenth or sixteenth <laughs> forward spot. Just play a body. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we can probably branch this out into some other teams, but the the news and rumors of the day were Nashville, obviously struggling pretty heavily this year. They're a bottom five team in the league by points percentage at the moment. Some talk about potentially, maybe not necessarily blowing it up, but Eckholm's name was out there as a guy that they could be looking to move. He's on IR right now, but there is there is a universe where the Nashville Predators decide that it's time to start over. And I, AJ and I were looking through their roster before the show. I don't think there's a ton of great options there when you're talking about acquisitions for the Avs specifically. Yeah. But this, 
Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, while it may not be a great target for the Avs, there could be a significant impact on the league if they ship some of these guys out. So everybody, everybody made fun of Ottawa. Yeah. When they decided they they made the big Matt Duchesne trade, their big go for it move. And then immediately turned around and blew the whole thing apart. I yep. started trading everybody away, right? Full blown rebuilding. You trade, they trade Matt Duchesne away. They trade uh, Mark Stone, Mike Hoffman, Kyle Turris obviously got moved. Uh, they get rid of, uh, you know, Dion Phaneuf and Mark Mathot and Eric Carlson and all these guys, right? Like they just clean house. Yep. And the distribution of that talent across the league changed the landscape of it. You know, you you look at where is where what is what is it about Vegas that scares you? Well, it's Mark Stone, number one. Mark Stone and Max, Max Pacioretty next to each other is the scariest thing they have going for them offensively. You know, Mike Hoffman in Florida turned that out. They, they were a turbo-powered offense. Although, you know, they weren't really responsible for him landing in Florida. That was the San Jose thing. But Well, I mean, San Jose itself, they were a, a powerhouse with EK for a minute there. And then right now they're a floundering mess. But <laughs> nonetheless. It's, it's just that there was there were a lot of guys that they moved out. Yep. That went on to kind of kind of affect playoff races around the league. If Nashville goes into a full blown, we're going to try and tear this thing down. They they have enough talent on that roster, and Matthias Ekholm is a smart place to start. He is thirty years old. He has one year on his deal after this one at three point seven five million. In a league where everybody is struggling for money, a top four cost efficient player. With a track record of Matthias Ekholms as a as a high end defender, that's he's like going to be really yep. valuable. Yep. Yeah, but similar to uh, Josh Manson in Anaheim. Like those guys, those guys are the obvious. They they're right at that age range. They need to make a move. Like they're not going to come back. Those teams are those teams are shifting away from their competitive windows, and they're getting ready and. This would be the beginning of it for Nashville. This would be like move number one. So Ekholm being the guy, it makes a lot of sense because they're not going to be able to bring him back. They have too much money tied up elsewhere. Yep. And the sweetheart deal that Ekholm signed, they didn't get enough out of it. This is their this is their last chance. They've on ice, they did not take proper advantage of it. But clearly. Now they have a chance to to cash in on it somewhere else. And that's that's in the trade market. And you know, Ekholm, that's a that would be Ekholm would be a great a great starting a, a great place for them to start. You you're talking about a first round pick. Easily. You're talking about a first round pick and a either an NA, a guy in the NHL or an NHL ready prospect. Yep. And you know the, what? What actually comes out of a trade like that depends on what Nashville is truly, truly trying to do. Whether they're going full scorched earth or or more yeah. of a retool, but well, and, and you know that they would love 
just given the results and how things have gone, they'd love to move the money involved in Johansson and Duchesne. I don't think that's possible uh, for at least another year. It may not be possible until the cap starts to go up. There's no way anyone's taking Duchesne's contracts right now. Maybe you have a conversation after this year. There's only four years left on Johansson's contract, and he's two years younger than Duchesne. But Duchesne is going to be a really hard piece to move with that contract. And so there, I think, I think they're probably sitting there um, with those two guys. I think those are the guys that are that they're stuck with. Um, Roman Yossi, they're not going to move that guy. That there's there's no reason to move that guy. Like you, you could get the biggest haul for him, but you also want to set a kind of a standard of even when we're going to go through the bad times, this is our captain. This is the face of our organization. Yep. This is the guy that we drafted, we developed. We want him to be the guy that they could not convince Shea Weber to be, you know, the forever predator. Yep. That's – every team has has a player like that, it seems, through eh, whatever section of, of the darkness you want to call it for a team. There's always a certain level of 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 that. For the Avs, it was Sackick for a long time. In the in the interim, it was Milan Hayduk, and then you know yeah. ultimately Gabe Landeskog, who is now through the through the darkness and on the other end of it. But yeah, and you know, there's you could even throw kind of ish. You could throw EJ on there. Yeah, sure. A little a little different. Um, not an in-house draft guy, but you know has actively wanted to be here since he came here. Yeah, and was, you know, got got to Colorado early enough in his career that you don't nobody will ever think about Eric Johnson as a St. Louis blue. For sure. Um, but that's that's where it starts with with them. If they want to and and if if Nashville wants to kickstart their system, that's what they should do. Um, going back through their drafts the last couple of years, they had full picks the last 2 years. Um, they only had one additional pick which was in 2019, it was an extra fourth rounder. That's, you know, it's just not... Nothing special. It's it's hard to rebuild when you don't add picks. Yep. You've got to, you've got to either, and it's, it's, I will, I will especially say it's hard to rebuild when you don't add picks and you're not picking at the top. Their, their highest pick in recent years, Askarov at 11 this past yeah. year. And look, don't get me wrong, Askarov could be an answer to one of their biggest problems right now. Mm-hmm. But they don't really have high-end forward talent coming to replace in the immediate. Well, Eli Tolvanen has not lived up to the immediate hype that he had yep. the first year after uh, after his draft. In his D-plus one, he had, he had a really good year in the KHL. And people were like, oh, in a redraft, he would be a top five pick. And those people were stupid that day, and they're stupid this day. <laughs> um, and he just he just has not he has not taken that step forward. 2018, no picks in the first, second, or third rounds. Yep. Um, they they've moved on from guys. You know, Sam Gerard would have been a guy that would have been replenishing their system right now. That would have been kind of part of their future. Uh, as it is, he's gone. Dante Fabro is there. David Ference is a guy that you have to keep an eye on because he is destroyed college hockey the last couple of years at BU. So there's still some defensive guys that they have. You know, Dante Fabro is an okay NHL player. Ference is a guy that you have to keep an eye on. 
What's that? If you say so. I mean, he's he's okay. I he's not okay. a building block, but he's at least a guy that you're like. He's an NHLer, sure. He'll be here for the next four years while we rebuild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So after that, though, I mean that it, you're talking Philip Tomasino, a guy that I love, but is he is he a high end first line player for you? Probably not. And after Tomasino, it gets it gets downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, I talking mean, about guys like Afanasev and who's who's like intriguing, right? Like yeah. you think, hey man, this guy really popped at WJCs for Russia. He looks good, but he doesn't. Again, same conversation. You're not looking at him like, man. Where's this guy's, this guy's it, a, a guy? Where is the ceiling on guys like that? Right, like you're not. You can't realistically have expectations of them being a true one C and and in most cases probably not even a top six guy. Yeah. So it's it's definitely tough because they do lack that high end talent in their system, which you know, <laughs> Abs and other teams as well likely have pieces that would be very interesting as far as futures are concerned, given their holes in their system. Yeah. Um, I, I would say there isn't really to shift this to sort of an abs specific conversation. Yeah, sure. There's nobody, we can agree. There's nobody on defense that they would, that makes sense. Right. Like as much as Matias Eichholm is really, really good. Like it just, the price involved, like why, and unless where does he, where does he play? Unless something absolutely crazy like Nashville being willing to take on EJ's contract or something, you can't even have the conversation. Yeah, because your left side right now, when healthy, is Devon Tafe, Sam Gerard, Bowen, Byram. Yep. Your right side, again, when healthy, Kale McCarr, Eric Johnson, and then Connor Timmons or Ryan Graves. So, like, look, you could bam, you drop back home into that third spot. And you've upgraded from Timmons and Graves. But, but you're, you're going to have to give something else up. You're right. probably going to have to give one of those guys up, to be honest. You're giving one of those guys up, and you're giving up a prospect. And a probably a pick. Well. And probably your and, first and, rounder. And probably a first. And, and like, you're asking that guy to not be, like, just he's just not going to play a big role for you. He's going to he's going to give you a supercharged third pairing which that's awesome. That could make you Now that okay, so now that I'm actually saying this out loud, at 3.75 million for this year and next. Well, it, it, it would it would give you the league's best defense and it's probably not very close between 1 and 2. It it have to be Graves going back the other way though, right? Just to balance the money. Yeah. I'm I would assume I mean it could be Graves and Timmons because they want a prospect, right? Yeah, you could have that conversation. That'd be steep, but I mean if just say it was Graves, Timmons and a first round pick for for Matias Eckholm, would you do it? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. If it was if Matias Eckholm was two years older and had another year on that deal, or two years younger rather, and had another another year on that deal, I think I'd probably do it. Even even at thirty though he's, he he gives you elite defense, and it's just for this year and next year. I mean, I think I would do that in a heartbeat. Mm, 
you're going to lose the guy in free agency. You accept that. You're going to yeah, lose the guy in free agency. And that's my problem. Is Then the, Caleb brings up a great point, though. This gives you an expansion draft problem. It sure does. Because right now you were talking about exp- leaving Graves exposed, full stop. Yeah. So maybe, maybe this is something that, you know. Off-season you address yeah, it. Yeah, maybe this would be a more realistic conversation to revisit this next year. But then you're only getting one playoff run out of him. At Price that probably goes down too, though. So then maybe, you know, we'll see. But also Nashville probably could get a better deal than that elsewhere. I would imagine. Because, like, hey, Ryan Graves, a, a, he's a fine NHL player, whatever. You know, we don't the, need to, like. The, the reality of the league has always been teams are willing to pay a premium for high-end defense. And right. There are teams with more room and more ability to spend on a Matias Ekholm than the Avalanche. Well, and he would be—he would play a bigger role there. Yeah, he'd, uh, I don't know if he'd be a top pairing guy on many teams, but certainly top four. Yeah. So. So anyway, is yeah. there anybody else on this on this roster? Like, given Colorado's current backup situation, do you think a one-year? Pecorine come in and be our backup. No. Last year of his career, you can get him to retain salary. No interest whatsoever? Nope. Absolutely none. Rene's been terrible for three years. I don't want him to be the backup. Even at a 907 this year? No interest in it. I, I don't think there's any value there. Uh, you can, whatever you're paying for Rene, you can go get an NHL backup for cheaper. Uh, without. Without diving into the the fact of all the dudes the Avs could have got on waivers, you can go get a bona fide NHL backup. I'm right just now. I'm just saying, like, what if? Okay, so let me reframe this. What if we assume Pavel Francouz is out for the entire season? I'm fine with going to get a backup. I just don't think Rene is where you're going to find value. Okay, I think there are. Better I, I mean, I would for cheaper. I would be surprised if they would move him just because he's so right at the end of his career, and it's like. You're talking about establishing a certain culture and you want these guys to be around, blah, blah. So maybe maybe only if he asked. But like at $5 million, if they retained half of the salary for just this year, $2.5 million against your cap for Pecorine, there isn't just to be just just to be Philip Grubauer's backup because you don't trust I, I, that Francois is coming back. I, what, I guess the answer is what is the cost there? Does Nashville want uh, it, a six-round pick for it? Sure, whatever. I mean, Fine. it would be more than a six, but it I would know. be less than a first, and it would not be like a prospect that you really, really liked. And that's that's where my my problem is. Like, say say it's a third-round pick this year. No. I, really? No. You can go get a perfectly serviceable backup for a fifth. I don't think you're getting value in in Pecorino as a clear and solid backup. This is a guy that you don't want to play on any really? given night. I, I'm not worried about the backup goaltender, to be honest. At, at this point, the Avs are ride or die with Philip Grubauer in the playoffs, and the playoffs are the point that matter. If Grubauer gets hurt, Grubauer gets hurt. You know what? I rolled the dice and didn't get a solid backup. Fine. But Grubauer is the man if the Avs want to go to the cup, in my opinion. I don't see any need to to waste assets, especially if we're talking like a third round pick. You can go get a perfectly fine backup for a fifth. Maybe if you absolutely had to spend a fourth, whatever. 
a minimal a minimal prospect on the outside of the the system. I just don't oh. think it's worth it for Rene. Well, I don't know that I would agree. I I think if if Nashville and there would have to be some money just because the Avs are yeah in a money situation. money is whatever it is that you make like sure. What if just for just just for this conversation's sake, uh, they would let's say they send Francois back yeah. just to, to so even the money up. It's five hundred k difference, yeah. And they so they retain, and so the Avs add another five hundred k to their books, but. Now they've got Rene just for the end of this. You would still say no to that for a third, yeah. For for a third in Francos, just again. I would say no. Really? Yep. What if it was like a third in Greg Patterson? Because <laughs> <laughs> again, this the, is me from balancing money. That's yeah, all I'm I, doing. I don't. I don't really care how they balance the money. I don't. I don't think giving up a third for Rene is worth it. I think you can get a similar caliber of backup goaltender for a fifth. Really. I don't. I don't. I'm I don't not think, buying into the I don't think, Rene name recognition at all here. I don't think. I don't think recent history is on your side, there, my man. It probably isn't. But again, my my point being that I, I just know. giving up any real asset for a backup goaltender, I just don't think is worth it. Even okay. So again, we're operating under the assumption here in this universe that I'm I'm proposing that. That Francis, Francis is, is, yes. is out for the season, and Correct. we know that he is done for the year. You're fine not doing anything at that position at all? Yep. I would play and Adam Werner as the backup for the rest of the year. Doesn't matter. The Avs are going to make the playoffs, and then Philip Grubauer is your guy in the playoffs. That's it. That's There is yeah. no... There is no magic bullet that a backup goaltender gives the. Would it be like the cruelest irony if you did go and get like a Rene for the lab for a year, and then Grubauer got hurt, and Rene wins you a cup? I (laughs) look if that's how it uh, if that how it how it plays out, I will eat a hat on this podcast. But (laughs) I don't think I could watch that. (laughs) Hats. I've seen a dude eat one. I you can't really eat the bill, but you could eat the the fabric part. Uh, I I really you and I don't have very many like strong disagreements. Yeah, very often on the. I think I really disagree with you here. That's that's fine. Yeah, I, I think that's your your right to, but you don't. Jordan Bennington is the. Extreme, extreme, extreme outlier in Stanley Cup winning goaltenders. You win NHL Cups with your starting goaltender. Pretty much full stop. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I just... I don't know, I'm... I, I feel like there's a meaningful level between Adam Werner, what the hell? You know, like, why not? Let's just see how things go. And, like, a guy that you know isn't going to be a starter, but, you and, know, like, again, like, Pecorino right now is a 907. And and that's fine. He's Where you're I'm, like, okay, like, this is fine. There's I feel like there's a middle ground there, too, though. Is the point I, I was trying to make initially is if you don't if Adam Werner isn't enough for you you can find something 
between giving up a third for Pecorine and Adam Werner that can give you value as a backup goaltender. And you can look to spend that third round pick on the Avs bigger problem, which we talk about every single podcast, 3C. Yeah. <laughs> which I do want to get into a little bit. We do have to take our second period break. First, though, as we are brought to you by MSU Denver Online, you can head on over to their website and check everything out. They have both non-full semester classes right now for the spring semester, and you can sign up for the summer semester as well to get yourself back in the classroom, whether that be in person or digitally. They have a program for everyone, so jump on it now. MSU Denver Online wants you to fall in love with yourself for Valentine's Day. I know it I know it just passed, but there's still time. You can count it backwards. I had Valentine's Day dinner with my wife the day after. So right now, MSU Denver Online is offering free application fees to any and all students. Zero dollars for your application fee. Doesn't matter if you're looking for undergrad, graduate, or taking online classes. So jump on your opportunity to apply for free while you still can and get yourself back to school. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Are we are we over this Rene argument or do you have any? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm good to move on because there's a whole other like Preds roster that we can kind of look into and stuff. Yeah, that's uh, so for the for the record, it was it was brought up in chat, but uh, I don't accept friend requests on our Discord. <laughs> um, so if you guys join our Discord in the lounge and all that. You guys can come in and talk to us, but I don't. I won't accept any friend requests from people. I draw. I draw my line somewhere. <laughs> okay, just rest- just because it was brought up. So we had the Ekholm conversation. We had the Rene conversation. What we have yeah. not looked at are forwards, and the Abs aren't going to go after any of the top guys. Their top like, six, you're very comfortable with. Philip Philip Forsberg, are you? One year, one year left after this on his contract. Are you good? Or, I mean, you could have a conversation about it. it I just financially probably can't afford exactly. it on another deal, right. so it's probably not realistic. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at with it too. Like, okay. I think he, he would probably make the Evs better, right? But when you remember, they have to Stein, Landeskog, and Kale. Well, and then Burkowski's only a two-year deal, yeah. so it's like. I mean, you maybe honestly, that's probably what you're looking at. Like, if you're taking Forsberg, maybe you're shipping Burakovsky back the other way with a load of prospects or something. But well, if you're shipping Burakovsky the other way, you shouldn't have to send a load of prospects. I mean, and I no, I'm I'm sorry, but I would agree that Forsberg is more proven and and more valuable, and that you'd have to send something else, put a load of prospects on. I don't even know that I would send another first. Along with Burkowski to upgrade to Philip Forsberg. I mean, if I'm if I'm Nashville, I'm asking for a first there. Probably, if I'm Nashville, if Burkowski for Forsberg, I'm asking for a first and like a, a middling pop prospect on top. Yeah, and then I'm sending you pictures of my nuts <laughs> in response, dude. Like, I'm not no, saying, I'm not saying the deal gets done, but Nashville is looking to recoup assets here. And and the real the like the reality is if Nashville's taking Burakovsky, they're probably just gonna flip him for more stuff. Because they don't care about having Burakovsky for a year unless they try to extend him or something. Well and at that point then you would just Right. It, go, it's it, a futures it's, heavy deal. Right. For, it's it's very for roundabout for them to take on Burakovsky, but 
the only reason they would is because the Avs would need the money to make it work. But <clears throat> yeah, and so I'm, I'm so we're in agreement that like the Forsberg thing would be great, but it's not a realistic conversation. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, moving down the list, uh, Victor Arvidsson is a hard no for me. Absolutely um, not with that contract. Yeah, it's just he's been too injured, and it, it's been too long since we've seen him at the level of the impact guy, where it looked like he was. Uh, he's not. He three years removed now from a sixty point season. So yeah. At, yeah, I'm. It's just. The injuries, I think, have it's, taken too much away from you're him. You're almost having the exact same conversation, where if the Avs are acquiring him, you're hoping he's healthy and that he replaces Andre Burakovsky. Like, I mean, at 4.25, like the value's there, right? The, the contract value is absolutely there, but you have Andre Burakovsky already, and yeah. you're not as worried about the injury history there, based on last year at least. That would be a. I think. I think with him, that would be a Brandon Sod replacement over yeah, the summer. You could probably have that conversation. That's fair. Um, and at four point two five, you're gonna you're gonna pay him less than Sod's gonna get in free agency this summer when he walks. So, I think that. You know, I'm. Uh, I'm, and again, I just think that the the cost here is gonna would probably be hard to find a, a deal that makes sense for both teams because definitely. Money in, money out. The Avs would have to send something the other way. You're probably looking at like a Comfort or a Donskoy, maybe a Graves, and then you want to add in a prospect. You know, do they want a prospect? Do they want a first-round pick? Would you even give a first-round pick for Victor Arvidsson at this point? I wouldn't. I would agree. Maybe if it's like, yeah, again, it just doesn't – if it was a first in like – nothing else you have that conversation but the abs have to send money out so yeah yeah and a again, purely futures deal where like they send you know they send like a we're gonna give you sample ranta and a first yeah. round pick and right. you know then connor timmons probably a more of a conversation but you'd have to find a way to make the money work there and again the abs are just a weird fit for for that talk, especially long term because Arvidsson's deal would go through McKinnon's next deal. So that's something the abs have to consider as well. Yeah, four 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 point two five. It's, it's just not bad, like, but the number is great. But it's a lack of trust in the player. The player has to give you excess value, not just live up to four point two five. He's got to give you six million dollars worth. The number is great if he's scoring 50, 60 points. The number is not great if he's scoring I, 40. Shit, man. If he's scoring 40 and he's giving 4.25, I think I'd be okay with it. Especially because Arvidsson was a strong, like he was a good all-around player. It's just, again, it's been two years since we've seen that guy. Yep. So you're really banking. You're really, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's I think I think that's really tough. Um the converse the conversation in chat about Eustace Ananen. Look, his team was dominant last year and he was great. His team is not as good as, as good this year, and they've been you know, the fin the finish season was fits and starts and super inconsistent. I think some of the shine has come off as like he might be the best goaltender prospect out there. Like that was always a little much. It was never true, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but 
he's still a really good goaltender prospect. We'll see him in North America next fall. Yep. And, and you talk cool. about him pushing to the NHL right away or whatever. That's crazy stuff. Ignore any of that. Peyton Jones will play for the Avs before Eustace Annanen does this uh, this spring. So, Annanen's future was always the AHL next season. Like yep. it, this season almost didn't even matter what he did after exactly. the contract was signed. He signed the contract. They immediately loaned him back to to the Liga, and then that was the agreement. And then maybe in the springtime, you know, the AHL carries on into the postseason. Whatever, maybe he play he goes there and he starts working on it in the postseason or something. But that's it. So possible. Getting back to getting back to the Nashville roster. I mean, just moving down the list here. You know, Grandland. We had the offseason conversation that doesn't really make any sense right now. Colton Sissons is signed for five more years after this one at two point eight million. Hell to the no. The only reason you go get that guy is because he murders the abs. Yeah, so you can sit him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he doesn't play against you. That's since they're not in a division anymore this year, it, it's a really bad idea. So no Colton Sissons. Luke Cunning, no thank you. Um, Nashville needs to build around guys like Luke yeah, Cunning anyway. I don't moving know him I don't have and, any interest in moving him, yeah. Moving him would not bring back any kind of value that would matter for them. So, you know, keeping on going. Obviously, Rocco Grimaldi, no thank you. Yep. Um, Eric Howla. The, the next three names, I think, are ones that are worthy of conversation. Yep. Callie, Callie Yarncrook, Eric Howla, Nick Cousin. Yep. I agree. Um, should we start with Howla since he was someone we did talk about last season a little bit? Yeah. Howla was a guy that I've always I've always kind of liked um, and I thought would be a good stylistic fit in Colorado. Not not a good not off to a good start uh, in Nashville, and that's been the problem is that ever since he got help you know got hurt back at, in Vegas, he hasn't been the same kind of guy. Now he was never going to be the guy that blew up for like thirty goals or whatever it was in that one Vegas year where everybody had career years. That shit was always crazy. <laughs> All those guys had crazy years. Um, so I think looking at Howla as the player that he actually is and has been for his career, um, I would I would pass, to be honest with you. He just hasn't been good enough. Yep. It's I, I was intrigued in the offseason. Um I, I would have liked it for cheap. Seeing how it's gone with Nashville right now, even knowing that like everybody that goes to Nashville just gets worse randomly. And we don't really know why that is. Um, I it, good on Hello. I will, sh- I'll pass. Shades of of similarity to JT Confer this year, honestly, with Hello, a guy that uh, you know historically through his career, you said this guy should give us ten to fifteen goals a year. He's got no goals this year. Yeah, and and the offense just hasn't been there for for someone you were hoping or Nashville was hoping for third line production out of. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> He hadn't scored a goal in a while, man. It's been a while. <laughs> well, because he got moved at the deadline. Um, I guess he had one goal in the postseason. But postseason doesn't count. Everybody knows that. It's true. true. <laughs> but for like four assists in 14 games. And again, this is for me, this is just but no. You're talking about Val Nichushkin level production there. Yeah, and not even necessarily getting any kind of an upgrade on Natushkin right. as a um, right, not a as good player, defensively, so. exactly. Yeah, it, so it's just a no for me. It's just a no. Yep, I don't think I don't um, think it benefits the Avs. 
Nick Cousins is a guy who, if you if you dig into it, really good underlying numbers, and he's a guy that I really like. Um, he's a guy that brings a certain not not a ton of physicality. Like he's not going to go out there, you know, and average five hits a game or anything. Probably not even two hits a game. But he plays he plays a harder, heavier style, and he's really effective. But again, there's not a lot of offense here, and so you're kind of just replicating what you already have, not adding to it. Plus a two-year deal, so nah. Yeah, it's... And all of these conversations, the one we're going to get into with Yarncroak as well, do to a certain extent come down to price, right? Yeah. It You know, if you're... If you can get Nick Cousins for Belmar and, and a bit piece, yeah. you have that conversation because you drop Cousins in, he's going to give you a little bit of more offensive impact than a Belmar will. Yeah, he's, and he's a touch cheaper. Yeah, at one point, at one point five million for this year and next, you're fine. You, you don't feel a way about it, but this, you know, this is. Another guy then that gets in the way of any kind of promotion, possible promotions for you. Yep. That you're having. Because now you've, you know, just 27 years old and then whatever. You're not sitting that guy. You're not even having a conversation about sitting that guy. Yeah. And then Kelly Yarncrook is, you know, an interesting guy throughout his career. I like Yarncrook, I think, more than you do in this situation. It's, It's mostly just my fear of his injury issues the last few years. It's, there's ab- it's absolutely a valid fear. If you're targeting Yarncroak, you're taking a chance and hoping that he's going to stay healthy for you. Like you have if you're making that move, you assess and accept that risk. But yeah. If you're looking for a direct replacement for JT Comfer on this lineup, I think it's Callie Yarncroak. Pretty pretty clear cut and only 2 million dollars for the next 2 years. Yeah. Now, and a history of being good defensively and not great offensively, not going to drive a lot of play for you, but can give you 30 points. Yep, exactly. That and that's what JT Confer was a year ago. Basically. So if if that is the urgent move, if the Evs feel like they need a deadline adjustment to their forward core, I think Yarncroke makes the most sense from Nashville, assuming health. You know, if if Yarncroke gets hurt, then he gets hurt, and and there is no deal there. Obviously, yeah, and and you would have an intriguing piece in JT Comfer, who at his age, like people, we're all sitting here, right? We're talking like JT Comfer, like oh my god, this is a disaster, whatever. But you know, JT JT Comfer is twenty five years old there's plenty of teams that would bet that this year is the outlier. And let's face it, this year probably is the outlier so far Mm -hmm. in his career. Yeah. He turns 26 in April, which is crazy to think about. Yep. (laughs) But he turns 26 in April and he signed for two more years at three and it like, it's, it would be, it would be easy to see that as, as a, as a deal. Where the abs say, "Hey, we could we could save a million and a half on our roster here." Yep. You guys get the younger guy, but we get the guy that fits a little bit more of what we want to do right now. So, 
You take it and run. So let's let's flip the script. JT Confer in a third for Callie Yarncroke. Oh, and a third? Yep. So I'm getting I'm getting the older player. You're getting the older player, but you're getting consistency. And I'm getting and I'm getting a guy with recent injury concerns. Yep. And I'm having I have to no. not doing it. Okay. Not for not with the third. If if it was the like fifth or something. Yeah, if it's a fifth or a sixth, or it's like Nick Lieberman. And that's exactly where I am with Pecorine. So. <laughs> and so, then I probably don't protect Yarn Crook in expansion like Nashville did. You have to. I think that's a conversation. Like right now, if you're looking at the Avs roster right now, you don't protect Sod. You probably protect Donskoy's six. And then do you protect Yarn Croker Jost is, is probably the conversation for the second forward spot. Jost just because of his age, man. Okay. That's it. Yeah. So all right. So we've 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 found out the the answer here. Francois and JT Comfer for Pecorine, Cali Yarn Croke, and two fourths. <laughs> Go right in the got, middle. They got rid of two fourths. They would have no second round picks for, or no seconds and no fourths for the next two years. Yeah, the, their draft capital would be looking real bad if they did that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they'd have no four. They'd have to use the twenty two and twenty three fourths because this year's fourth's already gone. So, <laughs> where's this year's four? Where did this year's fourth end up? I don't uh, remember. That was for Nemesnikov, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah, even even rounds. The Avs just don't draft in them. Okay. Oh, did you know? Oddly enough, Nashville owns that pick. It ended up in Nashville. Yeah, for Austin Watson. <laughs> there you go. So we already know Nashville loves Avs fourths. Yeah, yeah. Well, they took an Avs fourth for Colin Wilson. Exactly. Exactly my point. Just keep up the tradition. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the Nashville thing is I, I'm from a Colorado perspective not super interesting, but from a you always have to worry about the St. Louis Blues being willing to do something crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like you could see if they go out and they get Matias Ekholm and they drop that guy into their top, you know, Matias Ekholm, that's their Vince Dunn answer, right? Like that's the Vince Dunn trade that they've been looking for. Vince Dunn and, and St. Louis's first round pick for Matias Ekholm. If I'm St. Louis, or if I'm Nashville, that's kind of what I'm after. Is something something along those lines, and then St. Louis has Matias Ekholm and Tory Krug. Krug on the left side with yeah. a revitalized Justin Falk and Colton Pareko on the right side. They're feeling they're feeling good, and they made a they made a big move that immediately turns them back into, oh, God, we got to put up with these guys again. Yep. That's, uh... Damn, now, I'm, now I don't like that I put that out in the it, universe. Erase the last 45 seconds of this podcast. Yeah, I don't like... Oh, I hope the Blues front office wasn't listening because <laughs> I just gave them a dope idea. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't make it well past the hour mark into this podcast if they were listening, so... Yeah, <laughs> Talked to for an hour on a show that we didn't 
had to throw together in a a weird kind of day for us. He got some pretty good mileage out of this one for sure. Um, Yeah. So final thoughts, Nashville does not make a ton of sense as a trade partner for the Avs, just generally. Maybe there's something there depending on value and price and, and how you feel, but it would be very difficult for the Avs to make any of the bigger pieces work for them. Yeah. So, you know, there are plenty of other uh, bottom feeder teams for the Avs to pick the corpse of when it gets closer to the deadline. And I'm sure we'll do shows about them in the future, but yeah, they just have to start to separate a little bit. Yeah. There's Ottawa. Ottawa isn't doing it for me. They're <laughs> not interested in Austin Watson for a, another fourth. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, what? Who? Who are the teams that are kind of bottom feeding here? Let's see. That aren't LA. Like fully out of it yet. Yeah, L.A., San Jose, and San, San Jose would be interesting if they wanted to start touching Hurdle and Meyer and Kane and the, you know all the those key guys. pieces. Sure, yeah. Buffalo is struggling. Yeah, Buffalo. Yeah, well, and again, like the problem is, is that Buffalo. It's like, where do you even go? Yeah, and now you look at this Buffalo roster, and it's like, how can can't you not succeed work? with this? Yeah, you have a first overall defenseman anchoring your decor. You have a top line of Eichel, Hall, and Reinhardt, which should be slaying. Yeah, something, I, something just don't work in Buffalo. Something, yeah, something's clearly broken, man. Like it doesn't make any sense. Hurdle would be interesting just because Hurdle's like well, carved out a weird niche role in his career over the years. Like he's a he had that one like monster season. Yeah. And then he blew out his knee and and like he's okay now. Like he's he's still good, but he he had the one year where it was like Tomas Hurdle has arrived. And no. Nah. And yeah, he's, no, he's right no, back to right being back. like a 40 ish point guy. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, all topics we can cover on another day as we do have to get out of here for this one. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. Highly recommend you join the live chat in YouTube. Popping today with everyone, uh, everyone throwing their ideas out there on, on what we should and shouldn't trade if we were the GMs of the Colorado Avalanche, which. Or not, which is probably a good thing. Joe Sackick's doing just fine on that job. Uh, Anyway, we're going to get out of here for you guys with Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia have been in the business for a long time. And yes, you can absolutely get a great rate on your home loan, but they give you more than that. Mike is a certified financial planner and looks at a ton of different things when it comes to designing your home loan. They look at your full financial picture, not just the rate of the loan itself. Plus, they're a small family-owned company just like us here at DNVR. So you always feel like a person and not a number. You can reach them at dnvrmortgage.com where you can sign up to get some free DNVR merch as well as a free consultation. Or of course you can call Virginia directly directly at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. That's going to do it for today. We should be back at our regular time of 1 p.m. Mountain Time tomorrow, assuming everything's back to normal. So have a good rest of your evening, and we will talk to all of you guys then.